Hey everyone, it's Pastor Rod here in Tokyo, Japan. Wow, we are so excited to share the, the good news of, of being closer to God. Last week we started a series on closer to joy. And I, I want to tell you, the more that you lean towards God, the more you'll receive His joy. You know, sadly, some people lean away and joy diminishes. So I want to encourage you to listen to today's message. It's called Four Men in a Household of Faith. It's a bit of a, a long message. We're going to explain that out of Mark chapter 2. But basically, this message is about what happens when need and generosity meet. With God in the middle, when needs and generosity meet, we're going to have an explosion of joy. We're going to have an explosion of a potential miracle. We have a chance to be part of a great miracle. We love to be part of Tejas India. In, in New Delhi, there's a, uh, a lot of people that we've helped there. There's probably thousands of people now we've, we've helped in New Delhi. And we love to, the teams love to go there to the, the poorest of the poor. And they're so beautiful. They're so lovely. And, but they're in such need. And uh, I remember the team went there one day and the, the bus drove into the, the poor area to, to, to teach. And uh, there was a little girl came out of her house. I, I think she was only very young. Uh, and she had a, a broken leg. Now, I think with this story, I haven't heard the whole story, but I believe that it had healed, but healed wrongly. I actually understand that. I had the same thing happen to my wrist when I was a boy, but that's a different story. And my wrist had to be rebroken by the doctor and reset. And I, I'm pretty sure that's exactly what this little girl needed. And so here we are with, with the team and we teach it. we're teaching uh, Indian language and maths and science to these kids. and. And all of a sudden, a little girl comes out with a, another need. And, and, another need. and, and Marlowe said a, a medical team was also going to be coming very, very soon. So he linked this family with a Christian medical team that came in and, 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 and actually did an operation on this little girl's leg and had to reset the bone so that she would actually be able to walk correctly and straight in her life. And when you hear stories like that, you think, wow, the, the, the world that we live in, the world of generosity is big and we're a part of it. And I think when, when need and generosity meet, a miracle can happen. Jesus can do a great miracle of healing. But also, you know, it's something that we remember, something we take away, something we carry with us in life that, that was so exciting to, to, to give to be part of something, of giving out beyond ourselves. You know, Jesus said, if you, if you do things only for your own family, um, you, you're the same as anyone else in the world, but there's no grace on that. But when we're actually able to give something outside ourselves and, and beyond ourselves and, and just give and, and there's no expectation of return, Jesus is saying there's a, there's a blessing, there's a return, there's grace on that. And I, I really believe that when we have need and when we have um, the supply or the generosity, no matter what it is, whether it's time or money or prayer or encouragement, where there's the addition of that to need, we are going to see a miracle. So we're coming to a story. It's a story of Jesus healing a man carried in on a mat. Four friends bring him in. And we're going to read the story. It's a, it's a, it's a, a wonderful story. It says uh, in Mark chapter 2, a few days later when Jesus again entered Capernaum, the people heard that he had come home and they gathered in such large numbers there was no room left not even outside the door and he preached the word to them some men came bringing to him a paralyzed man carried by four of them let me stop here and say this paralyzed man had four great friends amen and and sometimes that's the gift of generosity 
that we're able to bring. We're able to, to use our resources, our, 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 our strength in this case, and, and our time and our prayer and our encouragement and our effort and able to, to give generosity in that way. And, and these four guys, they, they had heard about Jesus and they heard he was in town and they, they're going to bring their friend. And it doesn't really talk about the friend's attitude or whether he was a willing, a willing passenger on the mat. I, I guess he was. But, but we don't really know his attitude. We just know the attitude of the four men that brought were, were carrying him. Maybe they were singing a song as they carried him along, you know, like, hi-ho, hi-ho, it's off to work we go. No, no, not really. But something, something they're singing, a, a cadence. They've got to, they, they've got to walk this, carrying this guy on a mat and they're going to get him to Jesus and it's so exciting. We're going to see Jesus. And when they get there, the courtyard is packed with people. Like, think football match. Think think crowd, think, think um, just as packed. And it says that they realized they could not get the mat and the guy to Jesus. So these guys come up with a plan. And in those days, in Jesus' day, the, even today in the Middle East, there are many homes like this. In fact, all around uh, South Asia as well, that there's homes where they've got stairs on the outside and a flat roof. And the flat roof is used for a variety of things. They could eat up there the dry clothes up there, but it's part of the house. It's actually a, a design that I think really makes sense. In fact, I've, I've gone up on many roofs like that in Malaysia and other countries, and you're able to look around and it's just a, an open space. So knowing there is this space, these four guys had this crazy, crazy idea. Like who thought of this? It says, since they could not get to Jesus because of the crowd, they made an opening in the roof above Jesus by digging through it and then lowered the mat the man was lying on. Now, the Gospel of Luke says they removed tiles out of the roof. So there was, there was a digging process and there was a pulling tiles out. But I want you to know this was not that unusual. There were times of spring cleaning in that part of the world where they're able to pull out something and then able to open up like a skylight in, in the not rainy season, in the dry season to be able to spring clean the home so it's not like they were actually digging through and then it collapsed i mean when i first heard this story i'm thinking they're digging through and everything just came down with a crash which would not have been good with the crowd underneath right so you've got to understand this was actually an a thing that you could do you could do this and they did it they got up there and they i don't know what they had they had a um some some tools with i don't know where they got the tools from that they started to take some of the some of the clay off the top of the tiles and then they jacked up the tiles leaving an open space i'm sure some some remnants some debris came through the roof but not like a a crunch you get the picture it's like a maybe slow drift of soil and and dust in the air and and everyone inside has realized something's happening and everyone's looking up and all the people up there are looking down and and and, and these guys and i want to tell you these guys were part of the miracle right you know that and, and so I want to say part of generosity is how we use our strength and our time and our intelligence and our dream and our imagination to bring a solution. Amen. Generosity can work like these four guys. Their strength and everything else. Like ingenuity is a big word. The, the ability to see a solution in every problem. That's a, that's a, that's a leadership. That, that's a good. I want to be like that. Amen. I want to be the guy who sees a solution in every problem, who says, God, how can we bring a solution and brings a solution that's going to bring a miracle to people? So these four men, 
brought the opportunity for the man to be let down into the house. Now, I want to stop here and talk about some other group of people in this story that's not really mentioned, but they're obviously here, and that's the owners of the house. I mean, how would you feel? <laughs> Your house and, and Jesus is there and the crowd and you're feeling pretty good and thinking, wow, Jesus is in our house. And all of a sudden you hear this tap, tap up the top and then this crunch, crunch up the top and everyone stops and what is going on? And at that point, those owners of the house could have called the police, right? <laughs> they could have called the Roman guard or the, the Jewish guard. I don't know, whoever's there. Like, like you imagine someone's going to break into your house in front of everybody. What are you going to do? You're going you're to stop them, right? Well, these, these household owners didn't do that. And I think it's a huge part of the story that when the need and when the generosity meets, we have a chance for a miracle with Jesus. You see, I believe that these householders had a different sort of generosity. A generosity that first of all opened up their home to the crowds. Like, it's going to take a lot of cleaning up. Got to move the furniture. Got to watch out where the kids are. They might get trampled. It's a, it's a lot of organization to allow Jesus plus plus into your house and then to have your house broken into. Where were the owners? What? were they thinking? And I want to put my own little take on this and say to you, I think they got it. What did they get? That their house was going to be the center of a great miracle. I think somehow in the heart of hearts, as they saw Jesus and heard him and saw that, they they got it and they didn't stop the guys from digging it. Do you think about it? What would you do? What would you do if someone used your car without your permission? What would you do if someone used your stuff without your permission? What would you do if someone broke into your house, but for a good reason? You, you, just think about that. So I want to say, I believe the owners of the house played a huge part in this miracle. Amen. You get it? I think it's really, really important we see that generosity comes in different forms. But when the need and the generosity, whatever it is, meets, there is a chance for the miracle. Give God a big praise. Come on. I believe it. I believe we've got to be generous. I believe Christians are supposed to give and forgive. And I want to bring a couple of scriptures to you right now because I believe that we believers should have this understanding of generosity. It says in 2 Corinthians 9, 7, you or we should decide in our heart how much to give. How much am I going to give in my house? How much am I going to give to this possible miracle? How much am I going to give to the situation? We have the decision to make. Now, it says really clearly, don't make this decision reluctantly. Some of the Bible verses say like, like you're sad about it. One Bible verse says, don't give that it makes you sad. Don't, don't give what we call giver's regret. No, no, no. We've got to give with a heart that's going to give and just it's given, right? That's, so don't give with reluctantly or in response to pressure. So even this, this message about generosity and giving, it's not aimed to force people to do anything. It's meant to be a trigger for what God is already saying to us. What's God saying to you? How can you be generous? How can you use your strength or wealth or encouragement or prayer? How can we be those people that are able to say, Lord, there's a need and I can give something. And then it says this last sentence, for God loves a person who gives cheerfully like ha 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 happy i'm happy giving cheerfully in our family the the household maybe the owner looked at his wife and they nodded across the room like 
this is okay, honey. We're going to be okay. We've got Jesus. And, and his wife nodded back and said, yep, we're good. And the kids, hey, kids, we're going to be part of a miracle. We're going to be part of a miracle. You see, God loves that cheerful giving. If those household owners were not cheerful, they stood there reluctantly under pressure. Oh, we, we've got to let you, Jesus use our house or else others will think we're not generous. Well, that's, that's the opposite. I see, I believe that God wants to see generous giving. In fact, let me say a little bit further. This word, give cheerfully, in the original Greek is the word hilarious. The English word hilarious means Ah, laughing and joking and smiling. God loves a hilarious giver. It is that word in the Greek, hilarios. That is the word. God loves a hilarious giver. So let's let's back up in our story. The guy's bringing him up. Can't get to Jesus. Ha ha ha, roof. Ha ha. Let's go up, up on the roof. We can't get in. Ha ha ha. Let's dig it out. Ha ha ha. People down below, mum and dad and the family. Ha ha ha. And it brings him down. I know I'm overstating the fact, right? Sort of. But I want you to understand this power of hilarious giving. You see, when we heard the story of that little girl in Ted just, a little girl with a broken leg, and we heard that story, although I wasn't there. And I wasn't the one in the slums that day. And I didn't discover the girl's need. And I didn't bring the doctor. I did nothing of that except our church was able to be part of the giving that made that whole miracle happen. Although I didn't give any physical strength to it, I felt like a hilarious giver. <laughs> Thank you, Jesus. You, you helped the little girl and then the whole family and the, and the neighbors and you're helping this. <laughs> the concept of this hilarious giving is that when we release, it is released. And even as I'm saying it to you right now, I feel the power of God on this. There is something about a beautiful release. A beautiful release. Um, I think tithing is a beautiful release. Thank you. And me and my wife, Viv, for years have got together and we've We've given to this and then we give to, you know, the four heart for the house in life house, a heart for Ted Jass, heart for the dream team, heart for the house, heart for next generation. And we always get together and say, how much? And, and, and we pray and I tell them what I felt God say and she tells me what God told her, what, how much. And we always take the highest amount. <laughs> well, it's usually Viv and I say, yep, you win again. You know, <laughs> we, we're giving what, what you said. And I just think there's something beautiful about a beautiful release. Amen. The Bible says God loves a person who gives cheerfully. Here's another scripture. Romans verse chapter 12 is about seven uh, motivational gifts in our heart. And one of them is about the gift of giving. I'm just going to read a part of these scriptures. It says in verse 6, we have different gifts according to grace. Right? And gifts and grace are linked in the New Testament. Those two words are almost the same word. The word grace is the word kadis. And the word gift is, is very, very similar, kara. And so you can see very, very similar words that we have different gifts according to the grace, gifts and grace, grace and gifts. There's a linkage in the, the, the motivation of how we're going to serve the Lord with gladness, how we're going to serve each other, how we're going to love people. This beautiful giving. And I'm not saying it's beautiful because I'm beautiful. I'm just saying it's a gift of God. And so it's saying we have different gifts according to the grace given to each one of us. And the verse 8 says, and if it's giving, if that is one of the gifts God has given us, and it may not be, but if it is, and I think for all of us, there's probably giving in some area. But if it's giving, I think it's talking about financial giving, then give generously. I think it's like the people in the house that looked at each other and they gave generously when someone's breaking into their house 
because they see what's going to happen by faith. So when Jesus looks at this man, he's let down. We come back to our story. We're going to read a little bit more. When Jesus looks at him, we don't know his attitude. But the first thing Jesus says to him, he says to him, uh, son, I love that first word of Jesus. Amen. The first word of Jesus, he is a stranger. Jesus doesn't know him. And the first word out of Jesus' mouth is my son, my, my, of my family, of my heart. Your sins are forgiven. Now, this shocked everybody. Like paralyzed, big effort, big generosity. And the first thing Jesus says is your sins are forgiven. And I had to think a lot about this because later Jesus is going to heal him and tell him to get up and arise and, and be healed. And, and he will be. But the first thing Jesus says to him is, son, my son, your sins are forgiven. And I believe this man was so overcome by grief and guilt and shame for whatever reason, we don't know. It's not because if he was paralyzed. That is not the connection. But for some reason, when Jesus looked at him, he knew this man needed forgiveness. This man needed to be released from shame. The other miracle of healing is coming. It's coming. But the first thing Jesus does is touch his heart and touch his soul and look into his heart and say, Son, my son, you need to know forgiveness. You need to know inner cleansing. And I think this is a beautiful part of Jesus' miracle is often there is a forgiveness before there is a healing. Not always. In fact, most healings are the other way around. Jesus just heals them and then he interacts with their life. But in this case, for whatever reason, Jesus looks at the man and says, the first thing you need is release. The first thing you need is release from the pain, inner pain. Maybe he was paralyzed because of an accident or someone did something to him. We don't know. Maybe there was you know we, we we think through but the first thing that jesus saw in him was a need to be released i think that's beautiful and it shows the the beauty and the generosity of jesus to look at every person individually and just by the way you don't need um it, it's not that he was paralyzed because of sin it, we're not saying that but we are saying the first need everyone okay the first need was release and that made the second miracle available and when Jesus said, your sins are forgiven, the religious people went up in uproar and they were angry. And we're not going to read that little part of John of Mark chapter 2. It's very interesting. You can read it. But I, I, I want to keep going because we've got some things to say here. But I want to say that the power and the grace of Jesus was present to forgive and to heal. Amen. The presence of Jesus was made possible by the four men and the owners of the house. They made a environment of faith they made a, a circle of faith they made a an interior feeling that something was going to happen amen i believe this is true in our small groups our connect groups our dream teams our churches our online i believe that we can jesus said where two or three are there i am in the midst the kingdom of god is within you the the, the, the gifts of god are in you there's so many things we could talk about here but there was a circle of incredible faith created by generosity and Jesus. <laughs> and um, it's, it's, so he says this, and, and I just want to read, read this um, from Luke chapter 5, verse 17. It's talking about Jesus healing um, in the same miracle, actually. And it says, um, and the power of the Lord was with Jesus to heal the sick. This is from Luke 5, 17. It's the same story, but it's a little bit of a different angle from Luke saying, hey, by the way, this environment was packed with power. This, this, this was a place of a miracle. What was it? It was the need and it was the generosity. And Jesus came in 
to that situation. I love this. I love that, that the power and the grace was present to heal the sick. Let's go on because a great miracle does occur. In Mark chapter 2, verse 10, Jesus says, But I want you to know that the Son of Man has authority on earth to forgive sins. So he said to the man, I tell you, get up, take your mat, and go home. Now, this is the second miracle. The first miracle was the forgiveness, the healed heart, the released heart. And the second miracle is his body. And Jesus is going to tell him to get up. And so it says, he got up, took his mat, and walked out in few, full view of them all. Now, you imagine him taking a mat and there's a house that's packed and there's a miracle. More, there's be hundreds of people running and people, miracle! They'd be like packed and he takes somehow people make room for him because now it's the man they knew was paralyzed is walking home with the mat and it's a great miracle for the paralytic and it's a life-changing moment for the four men and for the household of faith amen we just just got to see the the power of this and they said they it says the people that said uh i'll use this australian voice here oh the, we, we've never seen anything like this before Oh, we're, we've never seen this before. It sounds very Australian to me. <laughs> oh yeah, what's going on here? We've never seen this before. There was a cry of absolute delight and, and, and life-changing experience. Matthew 9 says of the same miracle, when the crowd saw this, they were filled with awe. What is awe? It's like, oh, that's a bad joke right there. Anyway, um, oh, and they praised God who had given such authority to man. So the, the people around, the miracle just went, bah, 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 bah. everybody was impacted. Of course, it was, a, it was a huge miracle. And I just really love that. So as I come to a conclusion in a, in a little while, I want to say these few things. I want to say, um, for those who with generous contribution from this story, there's three areas, and we have dream teams wrapped around all of these. Number one is there's generosity in finance and influence using your finance and influence as a, as a storehouse of generosity. If you have that gift, give with ha ha ha, hilarious giving. Secondly, there's generosity in prayer and care. The guy that brought their friend absolutely had a gift of, of mercy, of care, of prayer, of interest, of listening for an answer. Bring okay, dream teams around prayer and around care and around teaching, connect groups, leading people, discipling people, seeing people baptized and growing and, and praying. And, and we've got dream teams for all of that. And finally, dream teams or generosity in time and skill. And this is the setup teams, the pack down teams, the sound teams, the lighting teams, the camera teams, and, and all the other teams that operate around production, around, around build up, set down, pull back, whatever it is, time and skill. Skill means being able to train others, whether it be in the secular field or in the church life, or in the home with the, the desire to give my time to upskill other people. So let me say it again, there's three areas, generosity in finance and influence, generosity in prayer and care, and generosity in time and skill. So we're not just locked into one form of generosity, but whatever we do, there's really clear evidence in the Bible that says, do it with joy. Closer to joy, let's use our gifts for God. And, and my last scripture, and one last point, and I'm out, one last scripture is this, Ephesians 2.10. And I, I shared this with one of my, my family members recently because I just really felt it was for them. And it's from the Message Bible. I love this scripture. It says here, He creates each of us by Christ Jesus to join Him in the work He does. The good work He has got ready for us to do. Work we had better be doing. I love it. It's like God did it. 
He set it up. It's a setup. We got the gifts. We got the passion. We got the skill. We got the opportunity. There's a need. We've got it. What are we going to do? And, and, and in the message it says, I guess we better be doing it. And so this has really encouraged us to say, how can I be involved in the local church, online, in person, or, or blessing people? So finally, my last point is this. Finally, for the, th- the groups in this story, for the paralyzed man, he gained a new life. Forgiven, free, and healed physically. Wow, what opportunities for him to live a different life, to forgive and love and he will always talk about the day in that house and what his friends did and what Jesus did for him. The four men uh, also have, have a story. They have a story that they brought the guy and they dug the roof and Jesus healed the guy. They will have an eternal story. Go home that day and say, hey, honey, you won't believe what happened today. You know, uh, Tell the kids, tell the grandkids, tell the neighbors, tell the cousins and all around Capernaum where they were, this story of these four guys. Now, it's not about them being, you know, we're the four guys. I don't mean that, but they're able to carry a story of faith for the rest of their lives and for their generation. But also, lastly, for the household, for the household that lost the roof. That cost them. It did cost them. But you know what? They didn't lose a thing. Let me say it again. It was cost them a lot, but they didn't lose a thing. It's like that when you give and um, it's amazing. They gained a precious memory. This is the house. Hey, kids, remember remember when Jesus came. Remember when the roof. It, 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 it's a pictorial memory. Making memories through generosity. Amen. Didn't lose a thing, but they made memories. They made new friendships. Imagine. Imagine the friendships they made that day as they talked all about Jesus. And a hilarious story that everyone's going to want to say, hey, let's tell you the story about when they took the roof off the house. And the little kids say, yes, granddad, tell us that story again. You know, it's like this, 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 this family. They, it cost them a lot, but they didn't lose a thing. They only gained. And I love that. And I just wanted one last story. When, when, our, when our boys were very, very small in Australia, there was a war in Iraq, the first Iraq war. And a long time ago, a long time ago, and... We always give our kids pocket money, but it wasn't very much. In fact, they always said it's not enough. <laughs> Most kids do. It probably wasn't enough. But we, we supplied everything, right? And, um, but they had money in their little money box. It was maybe a little, I don't know, a little piggy bank or something made of porcelain. And, and I remember we were taking up this offering in our church for the poor kids of, of Baghdad. And all of a sudden, I think it was Monty came out with his piggy bank. And he said, Daddy, I want to give everything in here to the poor kids of Baghdad. Now, honestly, there wasn't that much money in there. Maybe 500 yen here in Japan, $5 maybe. But it was his money. And we didn't ask him. There was no compulsion. And he said, Daddy, with a big smile, Daddy, can I give this to the kids? And we could have said, no, that's your money. And you are only got a little bit. You should keep it. But we felt God said, you can replace that any moment. Any moment you could put $5 back in there. So take it. And we took it and we were part of a hilarious story in our family that our little boys love to give. And they both give to this day. And I think it just did something in their hearts to, to, to say, we didn't, we didn't, they didn't lose a thing. It, it didn't cost them a bit. We could have replaced that in a moment. Amen. It's not about taking from kids. It's about the, the, the generation of generosity that has actually lasted them into their adult years. And I want to say to you, the last thing, 
Come on. The generosity of what we've got, we don't lose a thing. We gain friends. We gain blessing. We gain rewards. We gain stories. We gain memories. We gain so much. And some of you were born to do this with all of your heart. I encourage you to follow the Lord's leading. Amen. Let's pray. Thank you, Jesus, that you are leading us and you want a generous giver. And I pray whatever we've got to give, we give it with joy. Serve the Lord with gladness. No regret. Just knowing we're just not going to lose a thing, but we're going to gain so much with you and people are going to be blessed. I pray we will be that sort of people in Jesus' name. And everyone said, Amen. And let me just pray the greatest gift of all is salvation from Jesus. He gave it to you freely on the cross. What a God. Would you like to receive him? Like this man received forgiveness and blessing and freedom and purpose. I'm going to count to three. And I'm going to ask you, would you like to receive Jesus? I'm going to pray with you. Or maybe come back to Jesus. We've had a lot of people recently just coming back. And it's time for you. So I'm going to count to three. I'm going to pray for you to receive Jesus. Are you ready? One, two, three. Lord, I pray for these people who are open in their hearts. You would come into their lives, forgive them, change them, grace them, and show them the great purpose in life for their act of generosity as well. Bless them in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, let's go out and be generous, hilarious givers in Jesus' name. Bye.